right, welcome back to the program. As uh, you hear us, no matter where you hear us, we appreciate it. Part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, Tony Wink, Scott Casper with you. P.J. Duran in the studio, and he brings a lot of heat and uh, great conversation as well. Chris Bishop, Tommy Boy Halverson are contributors. Jack and Leanne DeLeon are producers of the program. Tony, you have the intro to the very next guest. Well, I had the first... Uh, got to see it firsthand. The the, uh, the weapon that Stu Baylor put on the racers this this uh, past Sunday in the swamps of Florida, and man, I tell you what, it was an exciting race. And uh, Caleb Russell, Thad Duvall, sure gave him a run, but it was Stu Baylor who took the big win. And congrats to you, Stu. We'll bring him on now. Stu Baylor, welcome to uh, welcome back to Pit Pass, and congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Man, what a ride, dude! And and. Uh, I wasn't sure you were going to win it for a while, but you sure did. <laughs> yeah, you know it was uh, it was a slow day. Um, I I didn't want to do what I did last year, where I checked out, burnt myself out too early. Um, I've made that mistake too many times, and anymore, I think a strategy is just as good as anything when you when you find yourself battling for those top spots at the NPC. So I, I was watching in, and in pit row, it looked like you, uh, did, did you have some sort of a, did your bike stall or did you have some sort of mishap? I couldn't tell. I was down towards the, pro, you know, like right at the beginning of pro row, but it looked like you were like, there was something wrong about maybe two hours into the race. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of broke away. I, I got a, I got a cushion on those guys. Um, uh, I just got a cushion on those guys and, Sam got stuck in the quick fill. The quick fill stuck wide open. Poured a gallon and a half of fuel all over my lap and, and uh, went down below the seat and straight in on top of the filter and the bike shut off. And um, you know, I lost the lost the comfy cushion that I had and put those guys right back on the rear wheel. So that was kind of a, kind of frustrating. It was definitely a bummer. Um, you know, I felt at that point it felt like I had pushed with everything I had. Uh, I know that Caleb's strong later in the race. And he usually has a pace lap before he sprints. And yeah. in my mind, he was on his pace lap and he was ready to push. And all I could do was just try to outpush him. And uh, that's what I did. You know, we came out, out for a row wheel to wheel. And I was able to just put a put another gap on him. And, um, you know, I, I drug him along for a while. I think probably 10 miles that lap. And then it got to the gnarliest section, like the. I think the last three miles, the track got really rough, and uh, my bike was just working really well, and I was able to able to put some time on it there. And um, you know, the whole rest of the race, I was getting foot boards, you know, plus plus twenty five, plus forty five, plus one hundred five, and then um, headed on to that last lap. I know I had a minute lead and just couldn't make any mistakes. So, so let me ask you this, Stu: when you when you have the uh you guys run VP fuel, is that right? Yep. Okay, so I want to ask you when you when your dry brake, which is for everybody that's listening, it's it's uh, you basically you pull up and they just they they slam the gas can down onto your your gas tank and it it quick fills the bike and, and they lift it off and it goes and sometimes those do miss they they do screw up you get sand stuck or whatever so I'm just curious what does VP which VP do you guys run the four or what is it? Uh, we're running T four. 
Okay, so what does T4 feel like on the crotch when you're like three uh, hours in and it's nice and it's like, is it a Really burning, humid, really humid. Is it a burning sensation? Is it like a dry heat? At first, it was like really, really cold. And I knew, I was like, man, it's got to start burning at some point. <laughs> I, I haven't had it happen in a long time. And just when I thought, okay, maybe... Maybe T4 just doesn't burn like it used to. <laughs> then it kitchen, I, I guess it just soaked. It just soaked in. I still got a couple of blisters on the lower part of my stomach. But oh no! Yeah, then, it, then it started kicking in, and the boys were on fire. I can tell you that it, it felt like it felt like I was standing over top of an open flame. Oh and no! It's the worst. I don't know if I can contribute that to my win. I was just going to say I, that. I mean, maybe it, maybe in my mind, the faster I went, the more airflow I had, and I I don't know, but maybe we'll try to get that straight. I'm not sure. So I, I see them guys. You guys are really good. You got it down. You pull into pro row, and you have that little jag that they put in there. Somebody's pouring water on your on the back of your head or on the back of your neck, and then you're grabbing a water bottle, and and, and man, you do that faster than most guys can even go through that thing without doing any of that. But what if? Instead of just the waters, you had another guy pouring VP oh, yeah. on your <laughs> Spr- pants. Spritzing you with fuel. <laughs> or maybe just like squirt guns as you're going by, just spraying you with like... In the woods. Su- it'd be like surprising <laughs> areas where you don't even know where you're going to get sprayed. See, I'm not sure that it wasn't part of the grand plan anyway. <laughs> Before the race, my mechanic looked at me and he said, you got to win today. And I said, yeah. I'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we go. He said. He said. I'm tired of you leading the la- the first two hours. You need to lead the last two hours. I was like, okay. He said, you ride better when you're pissed off, and I'm not going to piss you off. And then the next thing I know, two hours into the race, I'm getting gassed up all over. Whether he had this planned out or not, I'm I'm still on the fence with that. But uh, maybe maybe I mean I know he gets the ball when I win. And we're, talk, we're talking about VP fuel, so they're in on the deal for sure. Pocket full of sand oh, would be definitely. a real tell there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Thad Duvall looked really good too on Husqvarna. He he, you know he's uh, he's been a guy that's been stri- been he just like just like you. I feel like he's he's long overdue to be the guy too. I mean that that uh, um, y- you know Caleb has has been on fire but you guys both you and Stu and Thad in my opinion you guys are are uh I wouldn't be surprised if either one of you won a championship this year yeah you know it's uh I mean it's still a long season but that's my ultimate goal for this year I I don't want that championship bad you know we've been pretty dominant at the national the last few years and um you know the 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 elusive GNTC title is just something that for the last six years nobody's been able to. I I don't even want to say anybody's been close to it. I mean, Caleb's really been so smart, so strategic, and he knows exactly how to win races. Um, that being said, I don't think that Caleb has been the fastest guy on the track for the last six years. Uh, I think that you know, Dad or myself, we've always had a little more. Speed, and I don't know that it's. I don't know that we're necessarily faster, or maybe Caleb's just smarter and he lets us burn ourselves out. But uh, I think Caleb, Caleb's been so dominant because of his strategy. He can change on the fly. He knows what he 
he knows what to do, how to handle each rider in each situation, yeah. and how to make it count at the end of the season. And I think, uh, I think right now, you know, I, I understand more of that after the race. And you know, the GMCCs, it's we're off the we're off that. We've we've all got good bikes. Um, you know, right now I think that it's it's become more of a strategy on who's going to push when, who's going to. Who knows exactly that time, that perfect time for questioning. I think that's what Caleb's been feel good. He knows on any given day whether he can start his sprint with three to go or with two to go, or if he has to wait until the last lap. And, you know, we've seen Caleb come from fourth a minute down to a two-minute faster lap than anybody on the last lap and somehow win by a minute. And I think he knows exactly when that time is, and when he comes across the finish line, he pushes straight to complete exhaustion, but he never does it too early. He never does it prematurely and burns himself out, and I think that's, uh, you know, anymore, that's the name of the game. I mean, the heart rate zones that we're running, it's just, I mean, theoretically, it's scientifically impossible to even do what we're doing, but Caleb knows exactly when to do it. So you think it's just race strategy and just just managing his programmer's race throughout the day that the three hours that that's that's earned him so many titles and and uh, race wins. I definitely do. I mean, you you look back at any interview Caleb's ever done, win or lose, um, he always talks about things that most people overlook during the race. He talks about he. I mean, he's brought up during races. Uh, last year at Florida on the podium or one of the race interviews afterwards, he said, you know, I, I saw his, I saw his shoulders start to drop or I saw his elbows start to drop. I knew that was when I had to make my move and he's done it so many times and he knows exactly when to do it. Um, so I think that, you know, Caleb is Caleb's a chess player. He's, he's been up for the long haul and he, and he's got three moves in advance before, before most of us even know what's going on. And I think that's where Caleb's been so dominant. It's just the, the strategy. And I've been paying attention. You know, I I watch these guys. I learn a lot from these guys. I've been watching Caleb and Thad since I was eight years old. And, uh, you know, I, I've always paid attention to the riding. And now I think what I've learned this year or, or over the last two years really is, is uh, aside from the riding, I know how to ride. Um, the the mental game, what what you have to do while you're racing, and I think that's where uh, that's where I've got to improve. I I did it this weekend, um, and I played my cards right. Whether I can do it next weekend, you know. So you guys, you leave the swamps of Florida, you're headed up to Washington, Georgia. Um, you know, I I keep going to the I keep going to Palatka to race, and every time I leave there, I I always question myself. Um, I'm obviously not. You, we all, it's like, and I know they're there because it's close to Daytona, but man, that place, Georgia, if it's not a river running through it, it's a, a lot better venue, I think, for GNCC. What are your thoughts? What do you prefer as a rider? You know, I I love the sand. I've always enjoyed riding in the sand. So. Yeah, but that's not sand. That's a swamp. There's a difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the most brutal physically demanding tracks I've ever I've ever ridden. Um, but I think that the reason that we keep going back there is almost every venue we've been to in Florida has a section 
or sections of low-lying area that are literally impossible to get through um, after running it for a couple of years. And I think although this place has a lot of water and a lot of mud holes, most of them seem to have a bottom, and we're able to race almost in any condition. So I think that was that's a, a big contributing factor. Um, you know, every track that we've gone to, I think I've been to seven different venues in Florida, and every single one of them seems to have that one swamp section that after two years is just impassable. Impassable, as in airbox sucking water, game over, yeah. impassable. As in yeah. literally... Like, Tugger straps. I look over and see an alligator stone faster. <laughs> so, Stu, uh, I got to ask you, you are, um, and what I thought was neat, and I want to talk about the, the GNCC family and the, the, the people. What I thought was really neat is when you were down and your, your bike was, you guys were having a problem and you had to like, I think you push started your bike, right? Um, yeah. I saw blue shirts pushing. I saw orange shirts pushing. I saw people that weren't on your team that were out there helping. Did you know that? It wasn't just your team. Yeah, I actually got a bunch of Ken Hill sent me and Darren Chapman sent me some pictures of, of everybody else coming out and helping out. I mean, it's, it's, it's always been like that. And I've, I'm good friends with most of the people up and down Prairie Row. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a really unique sport. Um, it's funny, you got to talk to some of the Moto guys or some of the West Coast guys, and everybody seems to stay secluded and, you know, in their, in their own little world. And they've got their group of guys that they hang out with and don't really get outside of that box. But, um, you know, East Coast racing, off-road racing especially, I, I, there's been beef between riders, but it's never, it's never really gotten, gotten too out of hand, and everybody's still friends. At the end of the day, it's, when the banquet comes around, we're all sitting there drinking a beer together and, and looking back and laughing about the stupid things that we may have argued about. You don't drink beer, do you? I, I no, no, never. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> uh, I, I think I was on my beer number three, like six minutes after the race was over. <laughs> <laughs> how, how is that for recovery? Is that good? Oh, it was awesome. It took my mind off of being sore. I didn't even think I was sore. Yeah, I, I only made it an hour in the morning race, and I was sore. But I had a. You should have grabbed a beer right after. I did. No, no, I no. grabbed four. What are you talking about? I did. So I'll tell you what happened, Stu. I I I had a bike that I and I you know whatever. I ran into a kid that's training down there, a motocross kid, and I said, "Here's what I'll do. I'll throw my bike in your trailer. It'll be great." Mm-hmm. Well, a week prior, my buddy was riding that bike with me in Baja. And we were going down the down the beaches, and the salt water seized up the, the linkage. But it didn't have. I went through the whole bike, but I didn't go through the linkage, right? And so when I went, I was at Boswick on Friday, and I go out and I go, "There's something wrong with this bike." And it was the linkage was seized up, and so nobody wants to work on the bike. I have no tools because I flew in with a gear bag, and there's a guy there with a brand new 15 hour. Uh, so I guess not brand new, but a, a 15-hour Yamaha YZ450 from Rock River that he says, this is a demo bike if you want to buy it and ride it. What do you take for it? And can I use a credit card? So <laughs> I end up buying this bike. No problem. It's all good. The trouble is, is on the Yamahas, the grips, and I was telling PJ, the, the grips are so big. It's like hanging on to a, right. a beer can. They're that big, and they just don't work for me. I have to have smaller grips, even smaller than... Than the, the normal grips, and so 
you know the fast sections out by the start where you you can kind of hit some tree roots if you if you hug the trees too tightly yeah i did that and uh it was, and i was in the morning with pastrana and i'm and i'm like pretty excited that i'm gonna race and beat travis pastrana right <laughs> never mind that he quit halfway through it whatever <laughs> so i hit this things and it was like somebody hit me from behind the wow. bike literally came out from under me and shot out and i looped out at like 40 miles an hour wow and belly flopped onto the ground because i couldn't hang on to the bike and i oh man it, and that was the end of my day and that was i was three cores lights in before uh How did Pastrana do before that? you guys started he quit yeah, that's he, the time he he quit too right after you passed him right yeah so <laughs> that's probably he's probably pissed a fat guy beat him and up that dude you're down 44 pounds what do you weigh stewie uh, I'm, I'm 207 now. It's less than you were, right? Yeah, way less. Yeah. You were like 240? Over 240. Yeah. yeah. Why do they do the posters, the poster pics uh, at this time of year? They go, hey, you know, you look pretty good. So now's the time to do the poster pic. Tony, right now, For next I've year. got photographers taking pictures of you at every place you are right now. That's weird. I've got some, not really. Um, because... I That's plan on making stalker. money. I plan on making money on these posters. Huh. <laughs> and right now, you're looking as close to 16 year old Tony as I've seen you since, oh, I don't know. I got 17. Sh- I got short hair. 16 year old Tony had long hair. Stuart, always good to talk to you, brother. Thank you so very much. The class of the field, absolutely always. Stuart Baylor, God bless. Thank you. Should we give out your uh, personal number to uh, the listeners so they can just dial in and talk to you about. <laughs> About whatever. Jack, did you hang up on Stuart? Nah, he put him on hold. Come on, Jack. Put him back Jack, on there. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. No, what we are you, uh, Stuart, should we just give out the uh, your phone number? Yeah, might as well. Okay. Right. Buddies anyway. What? Well, <laughs> it's, uh, I, actually, let's give out Jason Thomas's phone number. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I, I posted it. I texted and I posted a couple weeks ago on the CNCC gate yeah. said please contact us <laughs> 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 needs help that is awesome <laughs> what do you think of that <laughs> Stu? I, he he runs he talks so much smack oh, wow. on his on his social media and he, and, <laughs> and, I, and we all we're all li- we all look at it because we love it right. but he's like everybody's gonna see who's number one this weekend everybody's gonna see champ trains coming through oh yeah <laughs> and then his bike I, I breaks think, you know I, I think it's his cards i mean that's all he's got to play that's all that's all he's got anymore i mean he doesn't have the he doesn't he's not going to be able to win but there are still people out there that pay to see that side of things you know it's just like wrestling boxing it doesn't matter what the sport is like i think our sport's small yeah. so it's not big enough for i mean he's just he's really the Conor mcgregor but our sport's too small to have enough people that like that attitude. Hang on just a second. Conor McGregor's calling in. Wait, and, yeah, uh, but Conor McGregor went to jail this week. Well, he's Irish, dude. As far as I know, JT oh. didn't, so. Good job, Stuart. Yeah, way to mix it up for us uh, right after it's time to let you go. We, so. need to get, we need to get Jason on at least Should next we do week. it right now? Can, Jack, can we get Jason on the show? Well, he has the phone number right over here, Jack. It's, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No, it isn't. Yes, it's it like, really is. It's like 
It's one, one two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then I'll tell Jack the rest off air. Stu, you want to? We want to give him a hard time on the air. Stay, stay, stay with us, Stuart, and do me a favor. Uh, Jack, just put us on hold. We'll come back after this. Uh, this is live broadcasting, by the way. We're going to try attempt to get uh, the young man on the phone. See if he can stand up for the claims that we've been making against him, and uh, perhaps we can stir the pot a little bit more. Stay tuned. It's pit pass. Ronaldo Ferracci and uh, we on the Pipat Radio and thank you for listening. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.